Jacob was scared. He's coming home for the first time in years after living in a different country, a country that he had fled to because his brother wanted to kill him. His family was a little bit complicated. Um, It's a different story, but it's an important part of this story uh, because Jacob is about to see his brother for the first time in years. How long? Well, we know that it was at least 14 years, uh, probably more. It was long enough that Jacob had married two wives, sisters named Leah and Rachel, which is another complicated story for another day. Um, He had at least 11 children with his two wives and two other women. I mentioned his story is complicated, right? Um, He'd amassed a great amount of wealth. He had servants. He had herds of animals. All All of his people, all of his possessions, everything that was Jacob's was heading toward the man who wanted to kill him. So in the night, Jacob sent his family away, sends them across the river in case, in case his brother attacks in the night so that they would be able to hear it and they'd be able to escape. But he stays. Can, can you imagine the fear? Can, can you feel Jacob's uncertainty? Have you experienced even, even just a taste of, of the doubt and anxiety that Jacob had rolling around in his heart and in his mind? Have you ever been in the situation where you knew that the decision that you were making was going to have powerful, long-lasting impact on those that you love. And as Jacob wrestles with everything going on in, in his head and in his heart, suddenly a man takes hold of him, and the fight is on. They wrestled all night long. They wrestled all the way through till the morning. At which point, this man merely touches Jacob's hip. And with that touch, puts his hip out of joint. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that just, you know, usually puts a hip out of joint. Actually, I am a doctor, just not that kind of doctor. Anyhow, um, it doesn't usually work that way. Which tells us something about who this is. This is God that Jacob has been wrestling with all night long. And this is such a devastating injury that it's said that Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. All from a touch. Clearly, no man does that. And Jacob knew it. And he held on as tight as he could, refusing to let go until the man, until God blessed him. And as God blesses him, God changes his name 
from Jacob, which literally means he grasps the heel, a reference to how he was born, but figuratively means uh, the deceiver or the trickster. And he changes his name to Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. Now, the obvious question here is, why? Why would God wrestle with Jacob like this? Why would he wrestle all night when he could, with just a touch, end the fight? Why, why did he choose to wrestle? Instead of just you know, tapping Jacob on the shoulder and saying, hey, we need to talk. For that matter... Why did God even bother to show up? Do you know why? I'm not sure that I do. I find this a little bit confusing. Beyond the fact that, that God loved Jacob. And he had promised to be his God. However, I, I do see some things in the way that God wrestled with Jacob that are very important for us. And I want to share four with you this morning. Four of these things that I see in this story that I I think are important for how we understand how God deals with us. First, notice that God started it. God started this wrestling match. Jacob was alone, and all of a sudden, he's wrestling. And, And part of what is happening in this text is that Jacob was taking matters into his own hands. He he was living life the way that that he felt that it should be lived, and he was solving his problems the way that his wisdom taught him to solve them. In other words, he is not walking by faith, and he is not trusting God. He's not trusting God to protect him, to protect his family, and this is, this, this is really important. He is not trusting God to keep his promises. Listen, listen to God's promise to Jacob. He says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And he tells him, I'm going with you. Because this promise is made as Jacob is running away from his brother the first time. I am going with you and I will bring you back to this land. Jacob did not trust this promise. He didn't trust God. Can you relate? God has promised that your sins are forgiven in Jesus' death and resurrection. And because of that, you are going to live forever. That you're going to rise from the dead, as a matter of fact. How slow we are to confess our sins and receive that forgiveness. How quick are we to take matters into our own hands, to try to justify our sins with excuses Instead of living lives of repentance and the forgiveness that Jesus has won for us. And what does God do? He wrestles with us. As we feel guilt and shame. 
He forces us to see and to experience the hurt our sin brings into our relationships. And he shakes us up in order to lead us back to the cross, in order to lead us back to faith in him, in order to lead us back to his grace. Two, God changed Jacob's name. Today, names don't matter that much, do they? You know, as Shakespeare said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right? But in Jacob's time, to change your name was to change your identity. Now, when you read through the Old Testament, God does a lot of name changing. Jesus does a little bit of name changing in his ministry, too. So for Jacob, the, the trickster, he becomes he who wrestles with God. Do you know that you have been given a new name? That you have been given a new identity? It happened maybe in your baptism? Or, or it happened when you came to faith in Jesus? Your, your identity was changed in that moment. Ephesians 5 verse 8 describes it this way. At one time you were darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Children of the light. Children of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. You are the redeemed, the forgiven, the saved. You are those who, though you die, you shall live. You are those who will rise from the dead and live in glory with Jesus. Your identity, your name is changed because Jesus died and rose for you. And so each and every one of you carries this name with you, Christian. It means little Christ. It means that God has placed his name on you to live in Jesus' forgiveness, to be his people. Three, God left Jacob limping. This is an uncomfortable but important point. God uses brokenness to bless us. Sometimes a broken heart leads to repentance. A broken body might lead us to long for heaven. Broken people might lead us to act for justice. Broken pride can lead to humility. And notice that it was Jesus' broken body and shed blood that led to your salvation. Romans 8 reminds us that, that God works all things to the good of those who love him. Some people seem to think that that means that, that nothing bad is ever going to happen to us when we follow Jesus. What it really means is that the wounds, the, the brokenness, our pain, our trials, our limp, so to speak, 
are parts of our lives that God redeems and uses. He redeems them and uses them in order to bless us and to bless others. And this is not just you know, a character-building exercise. I've heard people talk about it that way, too. But, but it's a real experience of, of learning to walk by faith as we have to rely on God to get us through. Which, in truth, we need to rely on God in the first place. Even when we thought we had everything under control, but our brokenness helps us to, to see how much we need God's mercy, how much we need his grace, and how great that mercy and that grace are. And finally, God uses Jacob's life to display his grace and forgiveness. Make no mistake, Jacob was no angel. Maybe you were catching on to that early on in the message. In fact, you, you could probably say that Jacob was a bit of a jerk, skunk, rat. Pick your adjective. He was not a good man. His life was messy in ways that we find absolutely scandalous. But God blessed him. And he loved him. And he forgave him. And he used him and his family to bless the whole world. And he did. You see, about 2,000 years after the events that we read about today, one of Jacob's descendants died to pay for the sins of the world. And then he was raised from the dead to give everyone who believes in him everlasting life. Can you guess that guy's name? Yeah, it's Jesus. The one who saved you from your sin and rescues you from death. And friends, God uses your life to display his grace, to display his forgiveness. The blood, of, the blood of Christ has washed you from your sins. So, yes, that means that you should live differently. You, you should be different from the world. Humility, mercy, generosity, longing for justice, working for peace, bringing reconciliation and living in repentance, turning away from sin in order to walk in God's ways, are part of our lives now. But we're a bit of a mess too, aren't we? I like how some of you are like, and others are like, I'm not going to move. <laughs> I know I am. And I know I need this, this grace and this mercy that Jesus has won. Our lives are this twist 
of good and, and bad, of right and wrong. Luther called this being, at the same time, a saint, that is, one who is completely forgiven for all of our sins and holy in him, and sinner. Those things are opposites. They shouldn't be together, but in us they are. We're always living in this, this paradox. And we have these things going on in us all the time. But over all of that, our lives are lived in God's love. He comes to us. His mercy is ours because he changes our identity. He works in our lives. And he redeems our brokenness. And that's what the world needs to see in us. It doesn't need to see how good we are. Because frankly, we ain't. But it needs to see how good and how merciful and how loving our God is. And that's what, it, that's what all of this is about, isn't it? These worship services, the ministries, the buildings, and, and everything else here at Gloria Day. It's about what God is doing. And the privilege of having received his blessings and the joy of sharing those blessings with one another and with our community where he gives us the opportunities. Amen.